Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of XYZ. XYZ Reflections from Early Childhood Education Professionals is brought to you by the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood. We're so excited for you to listen to this episode where we got the opportunity to sit down with Lisa Miller and Jamie Schneider from DACI, the Delaware Association for the Education of Young Children. Lisa and Jamie shared some awesome supports their organization has for the early childhood educators in our community. We're so grateful to have them on our side and to have access to all these great resources and programs. Let's not wait any longer, grab some popcorn and welcome Lisa and Jamie. So welcome Jamie and welcome Lisa to our podcast. We're excited to have you both. And we would love to hear just a little bit of background of how you got to be where you are and where you are now. So whoever would like to take the microphone first, feel free. My name is Lisa Miller. I'm the executive director for Casey. And a little bit about my passion for being in this field has come from my job experience. I actually, I have an English degree. I taught English at the adult level for nearly 10 years. I taught at Dell Tech. And one of the things that I noticed, especially on our first day and our first, you know, talk with the students, I had them write something about themselves. And I could tell almost immediately those individuals who had had early learning literacy experiences and those who hadn't. And I could ask them, I got to a point where I'd say, you read a lot as a child, didn't you? Or you were read to, weren't you? And you can tell even in adulthood that they had that foundational experience. And so I left Dell Tech and became a assessor of learning development for children, well, for anyone, pre-K to adult. And then life happened and I ended up at Daisy. But to be here now, I believe is exactly where I need to be. It comes full circle to help those individuals who go on, you know, to higher learning, to have that early experience and those early learning opportunities makes a world of difference. And so it really has brought me back around full circle because of the importance that I know that takes place, especially between birth and eight years old, and how I can maybe help from behind the scenes in strengthening that experience for our community. And I love what we do. I love Daisy and, you know, I love everything we stand for and the potential that we have. So my name is Jamie Schneider. I am the president of the board of the Delaware Association for the Education of Young Children, also known as DACI. I also am a early child care owner and director in northern Newcastle County at the Educational Enrichment Center. I also, like Lisa, do not have a direct path to early education. I started my career actually in volunteer management and fundraising for a nonprofit in New York City. One of the things that was really cool is that we had a preschool program from birth to pre-K in or housed our nonprofit, but the kindergarten was actually in our administration building. And so I would regularly go in and eat lunch with the kiddos. It was fantastic. We were in a very low income community and it was my second experience of really being immersed in early ed. So I did, I 
give a full caveat that I'm 100% biased about EEC. I went here as a child. Our pre-K teacher had both me and my children, and she is still, she is on her 40th year of teaching. She will be very upset that I'm mentioning this. That's why I haven't said her name. And so when I looked at the experiences that these kiddos were going through in New York versus what I was used to working in high school and college here at EEC, it was vastly different. So fast forward to 2008, we had a global recession and moving to Delaware seemed like the right move. So I moved back and you do what everyone in Delaware does. They call someone they know and say, do you have a job? So I started in our pre-K program here at EEC in 2008, got my TECE one and two, was in the classroom for about 11 years and then became curriculum coordinator and then took over ownership in September of 2019, five months before COVID. So It has been an awesome experience, also a very challenging experience, but I continued to tell myself that it was temporary the entire time that I was in the classroom, but there was no temporary. The children, the learning, the impact that you have is truly, truly amazing. And I could not ever think of honestly doing much else. And then I got involved with JC in about 2016 in public policy. I joined the public policy committee and was hooked. The massive change that is needed and has been needed in early ed policy and legislation in Delaware and across our nation really struck me. And we've made really great headway in Delaware. And that's sort of how I got here. You guys had the unconventional pathways to early childhood, and we're so glad to have you here in our field. So let's not beat around the bush. We all know that there is a workforce crisis, right? So I know we were chatting a little bit before about you getting some new hires. So awesome. Absolutely. So one of the things is that I always say that I was incredibly lucky in that the former owners of EEC prioritized their workforce. You know, a barrier that we're seeing that women and parents have access to childcare is a barrier to all workforce, not just the childcare field. The other piece to that that is definitely a component is While I fully, you know, we've always paid higher than minimum wage with the minimum wage increase, it is definitely compounding that providers have to charge more and therefore they are reducing the access to families who can afford care in order to pay their workforce, which just becomes the chicken and the egg who can afford care. We should be paying our workforce so much more money than they are making. And unfortunately, with those incentivizations, There are much easier, not necessarily less meaningful, but easier jobs definitely to have that are paying a lot more money and that have basic entry requirements and that truly just don't have the stress and the take-home stress and have an increased, you know, quality of daily life. We are also seeing that burnout in the field is real. 62% of the workforce in Delaware has less than two years experience. And that is 
in childcare. And that's huge. That means that we had a huge turnover rate. That means that, you know, the people that we are hiring take significantly longer to train. And that also means that the learning curve, because of that, is so much more significant. You're usually the turnover in your new hires has been much higher as well, because some people figure out that this just isn't for them. And that's fine. But it truly, it's not an easy field. We've always struggled in this field. And now again, everyone's struggling. How has like Daisy or what has Daisy done to support maybe bringing people into the workforce or people that are already in the workforce? Could you talk some a little bit about any supports or things that Daisy has done? And a little bit of a background too, I think is important. COVID affected Daisy as well. And so Daisy is in the process of, and we've always been an advocate. We've always done the advocacy part of that. But some of the programs that we used to offer are changing. So we are, you know, kind of rebuilding a bit. And we've kept up with our professional development. We do offer training, not only public, that we will put on through the Institute, or we just had a virtual conference back in May. So we do offer training hours. We also recently added to what we are a membership organization and we've added benefits to our memberships, one of which is training hours. So if someone wants to be a member of DACI, depending on their tier, they can get up to 18 hours of training just through that membership, which aligns with Office of Child Care Licensing requirements for the year. And actually, we're doing a training tomorrow at a center. So we will also do private trainings as well. And we have about 12 trainings that we do from ableism to early literacy to the importance of routines. We have a a whole array and we have really wonderful trainers that help with that too. So our professional development is going pretty strong and we're trying to add more public trainings. And yeah, so we're doing some collaborations with Children and Families First. We had them actually at our conference. And so, yeah, we're doing a lot with the community with that. In addition, we recently received funding to erect a resource center, and it's going to be a membership benefit, but it will be available to the community, including families and caregivers. And we really want to connect, especially with those families who are having their children at home, to give them access to quality activities, quality research, and those things so that we can keep that quality wherever the child is. And you know, just to speak to what Jamie was saying about the turnover with more than half of the workforce having less than two years experience where those individuals do need more training. The children are affected tremendously by that. In fact, it's the third most stressful thing to happen to a child birth to five underneath the death of a parent and divorce is changing teachers. So it's a very stressful thing for a little one to go through to have that turnover. So I think for me personally, with the resource center, We also got funding from Highmark, and this is more for families, to offer them CPR and first aid training, as well as like a parent-centered training course to, again, help bring in the caregivers and then the families in to understand that magnitude of what's happening, birth to five. And then, so those are our on-the-ground kind of grassroots projects that we're working on now with the hope of expanding those out. We're actually working with the Rotary of Wilmington and four of their 
partner agencies to really look at what more Daisy can do in insofar as recruitment and retention. We want to talk about how we can get into the high schools, especially through pathways and really connect with the students there. And so we have a lot of things up and coming, but that's all kind of wrapped into these two programs, the resource center and the family membership. And of course, we never stop advocating and we are always advocating, especially in regard to policies and legislation. And that's absolutely Jamie's expertise and where she comes in and and runs that. So I'm gonna let her take on where we've been with advocacy. And if I can just say, you know, at the very beginning of COVID, it was Jamie and our task force who was leading the governor through his recommendations for health and safety for young children as well as the teachers. And so from that, we've built on that. And Jamie, there's been a lot of really great wins in legislation over the last few years since COVID. And so, yeah, I'll let you take that. Absolutely. So I will say, first and foremost, we couldn't have wins in the legislature and in advocacy without people and electing people that and having people lead our agencies that truly believe in early childhood education and its importance. And you know, a lot of the wins, and I know we talk like pre-COVID and post-COVID a lot, and I think that that's super important in early education as well, because the field has completely transformed. But there were a number of things that Delaware did incredibly well, you know, really with the leadership of Governor John Carney, children of our emergency responders and pandemic responders and first responders all had child care and access to care. And then he prioritized that workforce in making sure that if centers were open and operational, that we were able to pay our staff and that we did not have to sacrifice quality during that time or our staffing to be able to care for children. A bonus that went out to the early childhood workforce in two rounds and Part of what that did is it also allowed and supported us to build an early childhood registry because one of the things that has, you know, really precluded us from doing some deeper work with the field and with the workforce and with the professionals that are in the field is that we don't know who they are. This really made an impact on a field that often did not see the respect for the work that they do. And I think that the pandemic really helped that. Other advocacy efforts include legislation that created a compensation and wage scale for early childhood educators, which is an ultimate goal. Some of these are long-term goals, but that would put us in the same compensation scale as K-12 counterparts. We have seen Multiple regulation changes throughout the pandemic, as Lisa said, we were vital in, you know, working with both the Department of Health and Social Services and the Department of Public Health to, you know, create a blueprint for opening, which was really utilized by many states after we did it. So we were at the forefront and we continue to advocate for those things. Personally, one of our biggest advocacy wins, I believe, is one that hasn't started yet. But in 2020, oh, legislative years always get lost on me. We have a new legislation that by July of 2024, all child serving 
entities that have children under kindergarten will have to be licensed. And this just really gets at the heart of what Daisy does. And it was something that was super important is that we want to make sure that all children have basic health and safety requirements that need to be met while they are in the care of others. Just, I'm sorry, just to add a clarifying statement, which entities were exempt from licensing previously and which, you know what I mean? Like just clarify like what areas were not being licensed that will now have to be. So entities that were formally exempt were any school that had above kindergarten through fifth grade attached to early education. So most of our parochial schools, independent schools were included in that. Now, obviously, anyone can voluntarily choose to get licensed. But even some of our school district preschools were not licensed facilities as well. And now if you're receiving any state funding, camps are also licensed, which is a big huge impact because I can say as a parent, that was something there were very few. But as we started the conversation with, that really comes down to our workforce. And if we don't have a quality workforce and we don't have a consistent workforce, we really can't provide quality care in Delaware for our youngest learners. Well, I was just going to say, thank you both for sharing. It's so, I mean, I feel like I can't even articulate it well enough how grateful all of us at the Institute are for the work that you do. And of course, I mean, the gratitude goes statewide. And, you know, of course, because DIEC was involved in some of that early pandemic response, like you mentioned, Jamie, with the blueprint, you know, where a lot of what you both just outlined, but still, I feel like speaking for myself, I feel like all of the work that all of you do every day so tirelessly, I still feel like I'm learning new things. And it's just, I continually become more impressed with your hard work. So thank you both for sharing. And so to kind of jump off on that, I'd love to hear, I know Jamie, but I'd love to hear from both of you, your thoughts, but whether it's Jamie with your center and also on the Daisy side too, some strategies um, and tactics that you've put into place to kind of bring in new staff and retain them as well. I was just going to ask, you took the words right out of my (laughs) mouth. I was going to say, what is your secret? Yeah. (laughs) So I will start with just personal experience. And then my hope is that Lisa will talk about some of the work that we've done digging a little bit deeper with the Rotary and our centers that we partner with there, because I think that the amount of effort and work that she has put into those relationships definitely has a return on investment. So I think part of it is that honestly, the more transparent and open and honest that you can be with your staff, which also goes to your global community at a center, goes a long way through every hurdle that we have faced since I've started owning. I've probably, I mean, it's just my personality as well, but I definitely go more transparent than less. Less is not more in these situations. And I think it helps build trust with your staff. I think also, you know, the pre-pandemic I think childcare in general had a very client-focused, policy-driven mindset. We were open because people were paying us for a service. 
that is still true. However, we have shifted significantly to teacher workforce professional driven policies because I can't be open without teachers. People can continue to pay me, but if there are not teachers in the classrooms, and that is not just do we have enough hired staff, it is people get sick. We are in a very germ-filled environment and career, and we don't want people to come to work sick because then more people get sick and then more children get sick. So one of the things that we have continued since the pandemic are teacher-driven policy decisions, and that is workforce-driven. And at the end of the day, that really is a quality decision because if our teachers are not burnt out, our children are getting better care. If our teachers are healthy, our children are getting better care. If our teachers are feeling rested and not working overtime, our children are getting better care. So while sometimes that is a very hard decision to make for EEC, that has looked like reducing hours from 7.30 to 5.30 to 8 to 5 because we don't have to ask teachers to work overtime. We try and limit that. We were very, very lucky that we never closed completely during COVID. But part of that was we got really strict about children being healthy and coming to school or being sick and not coming to school. Just because it's not COVID doesn't mean they should be in school. And our teachers are vital to the quality and prosperity of the day-to-day operations. And changing that was noticed. I won't say that we didn't lose a few families in that change. It's also the benefit that we are in right now is we are very market driven and that the access to care is so limited that, you know, you can afford to make those riskier decisions right now. But I think at the end of the day, when you explain it to people and you put it in to context of how it actually directly impacts their children, your clients really don't mind and they will be supportive and understand And, you know, I think everywhere you see signs that say like, hey, please be patient with us. We're short staffed or our hours of operation may change like with no notice. And you don't care when it's your pharmacy or your ice cream shop. But when it's your child care center, it absolutely makes a difference. And we understand that. But it's also, you know, that broader picture of why childcare really is the workforce behind the workforce and that without it, our economy really does suffer. And that is also, as all of my families at EEC know, all of my teachers know, and probably everyone that I come in contact with, a soapbox that I am happy to get on any point in time of how important I actually think that the workforce is to the continuation of both successful academic careers, but also the future of our workforce and therefore our economy. So the short answer to that, Irene, is what do I think the magic bullet is? I do truly think it is workforce-driven policy decisions that really, truly support the workforce. And on more of a, I keep saying grassroots, but I think that's the best way I can describe it in more of a grassroots way, working with, so the four partner agencies that are connected to the Rotary of Wilmington are the Latin American Community Center, the Christina Cultural Arts Center, 
St. Michael's Nursery and Preschool and Kingswood Community Center. So I've been working with the leadership and the admin at those four centers. And one of the things, you know, when we talk about the workforce and their needs, and especially working with the Latin American Community Center, who is primarily bilingual or Spanish speaking, there is a limitation on bilingual services for that for those staff. So something that Daisy did last year for the first time in Daisy's history was adding bilingual services to our professional development. So we now have a relationship with a local language service and we are able to get not only Spanish, but our next thing would be our next highest language in Delaware, which is Haitian Creole. So those are our top three languages are English, Spanish, and Haitian Creole. And so if we can start getting things translated into languages that are supportive of our community, that's not only going to help the teachers, but it's also going to help the families of the children. So that's one of the things that we did. And now continuing to work with those four partners, we're going to work with speaking with the educators directly about what more supports we can offer and add. So we want to hear directly from the teachers. We know, we do know, but at the same time, hearing exactly what's happening, whether it's those specific behavioral challenges, maybe it's self-care, maybe it's work-life balance, whatever that is, if we can hear from the educators exactly what they're looking for, we can work to tailor some things to meet those needs. So our objective with the Rotary this year is to really listen and hear their educators, add more things to make things more accessible, and continue with those bilingual services. And through the Resource Center, I we do have a lot of Spanish books. We have Spanish-English books. And I do have a few Haitian Creole books as well. So we're trying really hard to make it more inclusive for the workforce so that they can find the supports that they need within it. I love to hear all of that. That's amazing. And Jamie, hearing your approach, the approach that you took and still take with, you know, leading with the staff first, and Lisa, you kind of just hinted at as well that because, you know, you have to start with the teams, the educators, the people actually teaching the children because it has that trickle down effect. It's interesting to hear both of you mentioned that and you especially, Jamie, on the, you know, the EEC side, Irene and I, we just interviewed Dr. Whitney Williams from Stubbs the other day, and she very much comes from that same mindset. And it just, it goes to show that when you come at it from that mindset, it kind of comes back at you tenfold, the reward. I'm just so excited to hear you know, all that you do and how much that you do, you know, for both home providers and for centers and for, you know, everybody in Delaware. So um, you guys are amazing. And we've kept you here for like forever. <laughs> we could no, day. Believe me, we could both talk on this for oh, I know, But I know you ladies are super yeah. busy. Yes. Yeah. And just to echo Irene, Thank you both so much. And I know, you know, I love hearing that history fact was so cool. Thank you for sharing that, Jamie. It's interesting because I feel like 
you know, the phrase we keep hearing just not beyond the field, but especially, you know, from digital content creators online, we keep hearing a lot of that, that mental load in terms of, you know, conversations in terms of advocacy for recognition of, you know, stay at home parents and that domestic labor. And I feel like that can very much be applied to advocacy for not just family child care providers, but early child childhood educators mm-hmm. as a whole. I think that recognizing that mental load that has to be taken on and kind of finding a way to meet them in the middle and recognize that and fight for that and help to make that easier, I think is so important. So again, thank you both for sharing and for all of the amazing PC work that you both do. Oh, I would be remiss if we didn't mention, and you guys can be like one of the first to know, actually, it's not, well, it's on a website, so it's public, but it's not linked anywhere. But we are partnering with Wilmington Friends School for their 275th anniversary, and that is actually culminating. This is, was by design of their committee that is leading this 275th anniversary It is culminating in a two-day state conference on equity in early education, and we are thrilled to be partnering with them. And it really just goes to show how the conversation has changed and that we have all segments of society really recognizing how important early education is. And this will be the last event of their 275th year. So we are super excited for that. It's going to be June 14th and 15th of 2024. Um, Dates will be out very soon. We have saved the dates and websites that people can sign up for more information for both participation and attending. So we hope to partner with you guys for that as well. But just wanted to put that out there because it is a really exciting piece for 2024. In history, just to give, did you know that Wilmington Friends School is the oldest school in the state of Delaware? So that's kind of a fun thing too. And also I think too, talking about these collaborations, collaborating with an independent school is not something that we've done in the past. So this is a really exciting collaboration too. One of our board members was actually, she just moved from there, but she was an employee there and she made some great connections for us. And so this collaboration is just another relationship toward these great efforts that we're all doing for the children, right? Whether it's with the family, and this will be for families and early educators. Families are welcome to come. Children are welcome to come. This is, you know, for the people. So this is going to be a really fun event. And again, something that I think we've not seen this large of a conference in a long time, really, right? Because I feel like it's going to be a big deal. That's so cool. Yeah. I had not heard about that yet. So that's no, so literally, you are like the first two people. It's on their website. On the Wilmington Friends School website, they do have events for the 275th anniversary. Okay. It is listed there, but there's no link available yet because we're still in the planning phases for it. So it's going, it's in motion. You are definitely the first that we've shared it with, though, beyond our board and our, you know, other collaborations, but we'll be reaching out too to see yeah. how we can connect with the Institute during that time frame. Well, speaking so. of links and social media, where can our listeners find you ladies? Mm-hmm. 
So I think the easiest place to find us is our website, which the only issue with that is that sometimes people don't know how to spell Daisy. So it is D-E-A-E-Y-C dot org to find our website. And then we are most active on social media platforms that are Facebook. You can just look up Delaware Association for the Education of Young Children. We're also on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X. And I will just say that if anyone is super interested in supporting Daisy and volunteering to do some social media, we could definitely use the help in that area. So if there's anyone listening that would like to, you can reach out to Lisa or I and all of our contact information is on the website. Awesome. Well, thank you again both so much. We appreciate it. We know how busy you both are. So thank you again for sharing with us and spending some time. And we are definitely excited to hear more about the upcoming conference. Yes. Yes. Super exciting. Lisa, it was nice meeting you. Yes. Nice to see you again. XYZ. Reflections from Early Childhood Education Professionals is brought to you by the Delaware Institute for Excellence in Early Childhood, College of Education and Human Development at the University of Delaware. Hosted by Irene Ash and Meg Keating. To learn more about the DIEEC and our show, please visit our website www.dieec.udel.edu. That's www.dieec.udel.edu. For additional information and to stay updated, follow us on social media at UDDIEEC on Facebook. Instagram, and Twitter. That's U-D-D-I-E-E-C. Thank you for supporting our podcast. Until next time. <music>